You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. When you think about quitting, think about why you started. I love that quote. When you think about quitting, think about why you started. And that's uh, the whoever made the quote is anonymous. And I want to welcome, 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 and thank you for tuning in, especially to our loyal listeners. I get 17 years. We're going on 18 years uh, on the podcast, started on the radio, then podcasting. And for those of you, whether it's your first time or you've listened many, many times, I want to welcome you to our Saturday, July the 8th, 2023 show. We have a wonderful author on deck with you. I always learn so much and look forward to the interviews as I'm researching, you know, to come up with the questions to ask the guests for the show. So exciting to learn with you uh, uh, from the guests that we will introduce to you in just a few moments. But first... I want to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? I love, my brother loves Monk. And I don't think it comes on anymore, but you can still see the reruns. I love Columbo. These shows, even if they tell you, like Columbo, they'll tell you who did it. But then you just, you, see, you, you watch the show to see their motives, who else could have been involved, just how it all played out. And it, I just love a mystery, just that that element, something, can I figure out why they did it, how, just exactly how it did it happen, who else was involved. If you're one of those people and you love a mystery, but wait, 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 you also love relationships, whether it, 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 uh, there's a complicated father-son relationship in this story, and there are these five friends that meet at college, and their friendship lasts a lifetime, but one of these friends is involved in a murder and it, you just have to watch it play out. And there's a there is a a true true love story. Again, these, the, and these two people meet in college. One is a track and field on his way to the Olympics. If you value relationships and you love a good mystery, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You can get it in paperback or an ebook. And if you don't see it on a store shelf, just ask the clerk to order your copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney and let me know how you enjoy the book. So please go treat yourself to a copy of Love Pour Over Me today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And today's guest is Christopher Gold. Christopher is the author of The George Stories. I love that title. The George Stories and the Boys and Girls of America. When I was researching for his feature, I kept thinking Boys and Girls Club. Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> Every time I heard that, my brain just hear Boys and Girls together. Boys and Girls of America. His first novel, The George Stories, was published in 2019. And it was nominated, congratulations to him, for the Central New York Book of the Year Award. Christopher graduated from Nazareth College of Rochester with a degree in writing, and he makes his home in upstate New York. Please check him out online at authorchristophergold.com. I'm going to spell it A-U-T-H-O-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-G-O-U-L-D.com. Again, A U T H O R. C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-G-O-U-L-D.com, authorchristophergold.com. We are absolutely honored to have him here with us on Off the Shelf. Welcome to Off the Shelf, uh, Christopher. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing fabulous and hope you are doing likewise. Uh, thank you for being here with us this morning. The first few questions... I'm going to ask you, I ask every guest that comes on the show, just to give the listeners a little backstory on the guests before I start talking to them about their books, how they got started writing, et cetera. So to kick it off today, Christopher, can you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? 
Sure. So I grew up in a small town in upstate New York called Pulaski. It's roughly 45 miles north of Syracuse, New York. That's probably the closest larger city. Um, yeah, so I had a great childhood. Um, it was a nice little idyllic setting to grow up in. It was the kind of place where you could ride your bike all over town and then uh, maybe play some hoops at a friend's house or some football. And uh, as long as you were home for dinner, all was good. Okay, upstate, and then it's so different when people say upstate New York. There's a lot of open land. It's very different. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Manhattan. Um, now, when you were a young kid, what did you what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, that's a good question. So I had I had the grand ambition of playing in the NBA, <laughs> and I ah. would uh, shoot hoops in my driveway by the hour. Um, with with that idea in mind. So that was one of the, the big things. And something else that I was heavily into at that time was I used to watch a lot of uh, James Bond movies, so I wanted to be a spy. So those are my grand ambitions at that time. <laughs> Neither panned out, obviously. Interesting. You know, I love to ask that question to our guests. Some actually always did, you know, what they wanted to do, but most didn't. Most did not. Now, who or what inspired you to actually start to pursue writing? What birthed your love for books? Yeah, you know, I think there's a handful of writers that I just was spellbound by, whether it was uh, J.D. Salinger or Truman Capote and uh, tons of others, and I was very inspired by their work. I also had some very good uh, English teachers uh, growing up that were very inspiring, and I think that's what sort of uh, triggered that seed, if you will. Now, when you started, before we go more specifically into like your writing and your in your major in writing in college, how old were you? You just talked about some of the writers who left an impression on you, but how old were you when you knew that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, that's it didn't happen until fairly late in my life. Uh, when I say that, I was probably in my mid-20s. I was al- already employed as a teacher, and it wasn't until then that I got the writing bug. But I think I was sort of working up to it all my life, if you want to know the truth. Interesting. Now, while you were pursuing your writing degree at Nazareth College, what what was your focus? Was it journalism? Creative writing, corporate marketing. What, what what was your main focus when you majored in writing at Nazareth College? Yeah, so Nazareth has a technical writing program, and so that's what the program was centered on largely. So it was um, kind of a distinctive writing program. There wasn't any creative writing program offered at that time at Nazareth, at least not at the undergraduate level. Um, but I certainly got a, a different viewpoint in terms of uh, creating uh, more industrial kinds of writing, whether it was brochures or advertising and things like that. It was more from that perspective. I'm sure we could get to that later in the when we start sure. talking a little bit about later, later, almost near the close, I may make a note to swing back to that because I'm sure that benefits you today. Uh, when you start selling your books. Now, looking back, Chris, would you advise novel writers or even nonfiction writers to pursue some level of post-secondary writing education? And if so, why? Uh, It certainly helps. It certainly helps. Um, Even later in life, there's a lot of um, sort of these, you know, like a, adult learning facilities, the YMCAs that offer creative writing programs. I was a part of many of those, and I I certainly picked up on a ton of good feedback and tons of good information. Um, I also um, sent work out to be professionally critiqued, uh, which wasn't cheap, but it paid some dividends for me in the long run. You got to get that feedback. A lot of writers. I actually interviewed a young writer. I was really impressed. She's written several novels, and she started when she was very young. 
but she doesn't not getting a lot of feedback. She just said she's nervous about it. But you, we, you're going to get it one way or the other. It's going to come from a reader who gives you a review, a book reviewer, or an editor. I know they have software programs you can use, but it's really important if you want to continue to improve as a writer to get that feedback. Now to what? Learning about your first, your very first book. You went to Nazareth College, technical writing. You 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 just love certain stories and your James Bond movies. Curious if any of your books are like any of those in any way. But please give off the shelf listeners an overview of the George, the George uh, series. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the George stories is about a child prodigy named George, obviously, and he is very gifted, but he just wants to be a regular kid. Um, His parents are sort of pushing him towards, you know, being famous and, uh, you know, with all sorts of uh, high-level activities. So in the opening chapter, George, uh, he sabotages his own chances at success. And this one event, this inciting incident, sort of uh, brings his whole life into complete, uh, like a haywire kind of circumstance, and his entire family is uh, upended by the events. Now, why, first of all, this made me curious. What makes George Morrison, why why is he a child prodigy? What is it? And what, what, when did his parents start to notice that, you know, he's something about him is different? Yeah, so the book goes into that. Um, he's, he has an IQ that is off the charts, and he's actually known as a child for, for having a photographic memory. He can, he can recite untold pages um, ad nauseum. Um, and he'll he'll go on stage and he'll recite like a famous speech or the Declaration of Independence and with you know just off the top of his head word for word. So that's initially what he was known for. Now, uh, when did his parents notice it? And are any of his parents or anyone in his family is anyone have a, had a similar uh, gift or is anybody else in his family like exceptionally brilliant? Well, George has an older sister named Annabelle who is very bright, and early on uh, the parents think that Annabelle is is sort of the the brain in the family, but the family sort of stumbles upon George uh, at a school event, and he's just reciting these books that are well above his, his age, and it sort of blows everyone's mind. Uh, so it's this uh, major family event where this is kind of revealed. Now, how old is George? And can you describe for our listeners, the, like, the characters, the more you reveal the characters, people are like, i got to read this book because I want to know more about George. How old is George, and what is his personality like? Is he outgoing, confident? Is he timid? Does he keep to himself a lot? Does he like to have fun? Is he serious? How old is he? He has an older sister. Does he have any other siblings? Can you describe George for us? Yeah, sure. So when the story starts, George is is quite young. He's roughly eight or nine years old. Um, And uh, as the story progresses, it goes up till his adult life. So... Um, in terms of his personality traits, he's a fairly serious individual. Um, he's pretty focused, um, but he's also very disgruntled about not being able to do a lot of normal kid things because his parents are constantly taking him around and putting him in various talent shows, and they want to get you know get him on TV and, and have him maybe on like a PBS special kind of a deal. So there's lots of that stuff going on early in the in the story, but um he does not have an, an especially fun life and uh like I said things go haywire after this opening chapter event and uh a lot of very very bad things happen to him unfortunately as the story unfolds. Mm. So he's 8 or 9 at the start of the story. Where does this story take place with Town and and 
if you can tell us a little about the town and what time period. Because for some reason I'm thinking 1800s. What time period is the book set in, and what what town and what's the town like where Moore's lived? Yeah, sure, sure. So it's roughly during the 1980s, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's more of a modern, I mean, not a modern, modern setting, but a, you know, contemporary type setting. Uh, so ninth, early 1980s, and it, it takes place in a fictional upstate New York town. Um, so that's the general setting. Okay, okay. Now, if you could just introduce us before we – I want to ask you a few more questions before we start talking about the boys and girls of America. If you could introduce sure. us to George's parents, what are they like? Are they mm, – are they like – they're not greedy. <laughs> They're a little greedy. What are they like? Where do they work, and and what drives his parents? Yeah. So uh, so George's father uh, sells insurance, um, and he's pretty aloof. Um, just has a sort of a distant personality. Um, he's not heavily featured in the, in the novel. Actually, uh, the mother is very focused. Or, and featured in the in the story as a whole, and she can be sort of um, kind of sort of pushing George for this uh, level of success and and to be a high achiever and uh, and all that, and he sort of rebels uh, largely because of that. So the father doesn't. He's not that. He's he doesn't seem like he's that active in his son's life. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I'm trying to see um, his. He, his oh, no, go ahead. No, um, so so the structure of the George stories is is not a typical novel format. Um, it is a largely a series of short stories about George that span his life, if you will. So there are these time gaps from one chapter to the next. So maybe in the first chapter he's nine, and then in the next maybe he's 12, and so on. So there are these built-in time gaps, if you will. That's by design, really. But um, So there are various life events, if you will, that capture George, whether it's um, him going off to college or whether it's him... Uh, later on, having a nervous breakdown. Uh, later on, when he's on his honeymoon. Uh, so there are these life events that are captured in these chapters throughout. It, had you? I've never heard of a, a book put together like that. Had you ever <laughs> read a book like that before? No, I like it. It's, it's no, different. it's good. It's no, awesome. it's a... what, where did you get? Where did you get the idea, the concept to develop? the book that way that's a great question so uh back then i was writing um short stories exclusively and all these short stories were about george so i was doing a lot of writer workshop type event you know uh classes and i had some really strong teachers and uh one of them suggested that i put all these stories together as a book Mm. so um it took me many, many years to sort of make that all work, if you will, but uh, I eventually put it together in book form. So, But I did like the idea of there being these gaps in time, um, especially at that time because I was definitely more of a short story writer, and uh, I I wanted to not necessarily have to figure out every single loose end, and I could do that by using this format. Interesting. Yeah, this is a first. Seventeen years doing off the shelf. This is a first. Very <laughs> Thank interesting. You. I applaud you for doing yeah. something you, you, unique and different. Yeah. And and then let me ask you. And I hadn't planned on asking you this. Uh, short stories versus novels. I've always been told the shorter the piece, the harder, the harder it is to write. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would. Uh, many years ago. I spent a year working on a novel. I was very devoted to it, and after a year I gave up because I couldn't do it. So I actually quit writing. This is many years ago, and then um, 
I eventually said, hey, I'll try writing short stories. How hard can that be? <laughs> so I spent a year working on one story. And, again, years ago, and after a year, I couldn't get it right. So um, I once again, I actually quit writing because I couldn't do it. I couldn't complete the story. So then uh, one day in the mail, there was this, this flyer from – this local uh, YMCA ad, and lo and behold, they had a creative writing class. And so I'm looking at it, and um, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll just give it one more shot. And uh, so I I enrolled in this class, and uh, that was really a game changer for me because a lot of my questions were answered. Interesting. Writing is work. I've heard when I was younger, I mean, I started writing when I was 10, but I had always mm-hmm. heard the, the the really really talented writers say it is hard work, and I thought, nah, no, it isn't. But I now I would say it is work. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just putting words on a paper, that that's easy. But I mean, to create a a really engaging, interesting story, especially one that a lot of people find interesting, is that takes a lot of work. And I, I think our our strongest critic is ourselves. And so once you get past yourself, you're pretty much maybe on your way. Now, I had to I have to ask you this. Uh sure. why does George mess up his life? Why does he want to avoid in the 1980s? Man, he could have been <laughs> riding that money being a child star. He has this uh, something about him that's so unique. He has his memory, whatever other gifts that did he have did he have any, any child star friends and he feared what happened to them, what happened to him? What what made him afraid to do it? Yeah, I think he thought he was missing out on typical kid things, and he also felt very, very isolated from other kids. So in the opening chapter, George, uh, on a very rare occasion, he strikes up a conversation with a young girl who was also there for a talent for the talent show, and and they sort of. Uh, commiserate over uh, their level of unhappiness. And it's one of the few times George is actually able to connect with another kid. Um, And without giving too much away from that opening story, uh, George definitely decides to uh, make a pretty big change in his life by sabotaging uh, his chances at this event. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, this particular um, opening chapter, it's his talent show, and it's the finals, and it's it's on a national stage, and there's TV cameras and, and all of that. And uh, he gets uh, a chance to sort of uh, steal the show, and he does something else entirely to mess everything up. Um, so on many levels I'm – I'm sorry, yeah, so it's on – on many levels, he, it's about him wanting to be a kid, a normal kid, and on another level, he's rebelling largely against his his mother, uh, who's forcing him largely to be in these various talent shows, if you will. Every parent, every kid wants to make it like that. You read the George stories. <laughs> it doesn't mean they should do what he did, but it might give right. them some... some some insight, like uh, they may say, you know what, this isn't, and the parent may may back off. Back off. Are there any other? Maybe introduce us to two other, two or three other ma- minor or major characters in the George stories who help drive the whole story forward. Yeah. So because of the format, again, it's largely a series of short stories. Um, some of the featured players, uh, he's he's pretty pretty involved with his mother. Uh, there are several chapters where he's with his sister. Uh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, and then, of course, later on in life he gets married, so there's several chapters devoted to George and his wife. So those are the central players, if you will. Um, he does have some some college buddies, uh, but because of the format, they're only introduced basically in uh, a small number of chapters. Two more questions on the George stories before we move on sure. to the next, but I, ha- I had to 
This one, I really, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, when authors talk about their books, it, they become that much more interesting to me, and I'm sure to, to listeners as well. It, the book, The George Stories, is it based in part, or I guess at the most in part, on any real-life experiences, something you read, something you experienced? And if not, what's the the inspiration behind this particular story, it just sounds so unique. Yeah, so um, it is, uh, it's it's largely just me creating this character out of basically nothing. Um, I think I was inspired by um, the writings of, of author J.D. Salinger. He wrote um, several short stories uh, about, uh, this particular family, it's called the Glass Series. So there's one particular story called A Perfect Day for Banana Fish. Uh, and the main character is Seymour Glass, who is um, who is also a prodigy and who is not particularly happy with his life. So um, that was probably an inspiration for George. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie uh, The Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, came out no. in the, I would say, uh, Wes Anderson is the director. Um, so he uh, he created this uh, movie where you have uh, this entire family of child geniuses, and they're all sort of messed up. So um, that was also part of the inspiration. Man, you got me thinking, oh, my goodness, and just just the fact that you came up with something that is not a typical novel is, is like, you'd have to read the George stories to get this experience because you're not going to get it a whole lot of other places. Now, that said, what have readers been saying about the George stories? I've had some strong reviews. Um That was my first book, so um there weren't a ton of, of uh, you know, reviews initially just because I was pretty new on the scene, but the ones I do have were very strong, um, and that's, that was certainly encouraging. So um, George is sort of a quirky uh, book in terms of style. It's sort of a, a throwback to maybe like a James Thurber-ish uh, vibe. It has this third-person outside perspective that is um, not really seen a ton in modern in modern writing, but uh, it seemed to fit the character George uh, pretty well, and it was a style I stuck with throughout. Now, how soon after publishing the George stories did you sit down and write The Boys and Girls of America? Uh, yeah, so George was published June 1st, 2019, and that's the exact date that I started writing The Boys and Girls of America. I was afraid of uh, of sort of jinxing the book being published, so I wanted to wait until I saw it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble before I started anything else. So I was kind of superstitious about it at that time, anyway. The very same day. Wow. Yes. Yes. Had that and actually, story? Really... No, go ahead. No. Yes. Yeah, so and actually, just by chance. Uh, the Boys and Girls of America was also published on June 1st. That That's also just a coincidence, but um, just the way it worked out publishing-wise. Had you, so you were superstitious, you didn't want to start writing on the new book before you saw the George stories was indeed, in fact, published and on these retail sites. Um, had that story been noodling and had it been in your mind, you'd been noodling with it for a while before you started writing it? Yeah, I had the title in my head way back when I was writing the George stories, but I wasn't sure I'd ever get around to it. Um, and I knew it was going to be about um, a bunch of Gen X kids during the 90s at a college somewhere. Um, but I wasn't really sure. And then um, as it happened, I came across an article in Vanity Fair that was all about Gen X, and it was written by this, uh, this writer, Rich Cohen, and I actually use a quote from that article in the beginning of the book to, court, to sort of uh, springboard the novel into play, but that was the beginning stages of it. Now, can you please give us an overview of the Boys and Girls of America? Yeah, so it's a 
it's a college novel, uh, like I said, set in the 90s. It deals heavily with uh, Gen Xers, and there's all sorts of culture references. My protagonist is a visiting writer in residence at this elite school. His name is James Castle. The twist is that uh, this particular college was James's dream school years ago, but he wasn't accepted. He was pretty um, heartbroken about not getting in. So he has his chance to sort of go back and see what he missed out, and he thinks it's going to be all roses, um, and it is in many ways, but once he arrives on campus, um, somebody starts to sort of blackmail him about his past and they leave him these packages throughout the novel that uh, expose um, some deep, dark family secrets, if you will. Whoa. So this is a mystery. It is, um, and that's really just sort of how the novel came into being. Uh, It was pretty spontaneous writing. Obviously, it's been through all sorts of rewrites, but uh, that was sort of a spontaneous part of it. Uh, now, I should say there's there's really three tiers to this uh, particular story. You have these on-campus chapters, which uh, James is obviously a part of, and he gets to know a variety of students, and there's some romance. So that's the first tier. And then you have um, a series of flashback chapters that shine a light on James's past. Um, and they're sort of uh, mingled throughout the novel. And then the third tier are uh, what are entitled office hours chapters. And in these chapters, students come in to visit James, and they're supposed to be coming in to sort of get advice in terms of how to be a writer, how to get published. But really it's just these his friends coming in who who sort of tell them uh, about their lives. And, you know, they're, all, they're from all over America, whether it's Maryland, whether it's, uh, the D.C. area, the Hollywood Hills. So the reader gets to sort of uh, get a sense of these various Gen Xers from all these different backgrounds through the eyes of James, if you will. Okay, so you said the three tiers. Now I'm going back to how you structured the George stories. Is it is it is it a compilation of George stories about James Castle, or is it really written um, more, more traditional novel uh that's a great question. This is uh, written uh, straightforward traditionally. So, that, yeah, so it's it's uh, definitely more of a traditionally structured novel uh, with all sorts of uh, holes filled in, <laughs> if you will. Okay. Now, what type of writing was James Castle? He went to this college, and now he's coming back, and I am guess he's assuming the people who knew him before, before – are no longer there. What type of writing was he hoping to do? So um, he does have one published novel. Uh, it's called Wit's End. It's sort of this literary fiction novel that um, it didn't necessarily sell a lot of copies, but um, it did sort of give him um, uh, some some juice, if you will, on the scene. And this particular book is what allows him to get this uh, writer-in-residence position. Um, And the particular book is actually filled with all these deep, dark family secrets that eventually come to light. Uh, Okay. Now, why is he so set on attending Edson College? Why why he's got this residency, he's, 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 he's soon moved on with his life, why is he going back, like, to something from his past? Why this particular school? Yeah, so I think it's it's just a question of when he initially went to visit this school and he walked around on this campus, and it's it's this glorious campus with all sorts of, you know, enchanting things to see, and, uh, and because of what he uh, sees and feels, he just fell in love with the place. Um, it also turns out there's a very famous professor uh, who teaches on this campus who becomes a, a mentor for James, um, and his name is Leander Beaumont. He's a big character in the novel, um, and he's actually the one that grants James the writer-in-residence post. 
Um, so um, because of his presence and he's sort of this larger than life character uh, on his own, he's won all sorts of awards himself. That's the other reason why he wanted to go to this particular school to be mentored by uh, by him. But he doesn't get in, right? He doesn't get in. Uh, he doesn't, yes, right. So it's years later where he gets the writer-in-residence post that he applies for after he's gotten some success with his first book. So the first time he tries to get into this college, he wants to be mentored by this this writer, if I'm getting this right. He's denied. Yep. He's, he's, not, able, he's, denied. he's not able to go. Why? Yeah, so then Was like it, rough, well, um... So so he applies for the writer-in-residence position roughly five years later. He's only uh, like 23, 24, so he's not that much older than the kids that are actually in attendance. Um, so uh, as it happens, um, I don't want to give too much away, but he misses his campus interview with the dean. Oh. And, uh, so cause, because he has really good grades. Uh, he had been published uh, to some degree as a as a young kid, um, but he misses his campus interview uh, because of family circumstances, uh, and so he's ultimately denied entrance into this school. And just how did young James? He's so set. Is this his first? Real-life disappointment, before I ask you the next question, it's like the first time in your life when you really want something, you've worked hard for it, you feel like you deserve it, you're more than qualified, and boom, you don't get it. Is this his first real-life disappointment? Um, definitely not. Definitely not. Oh. Um, the flashback chapters reveal um, a ton of events that definitely involves some major, major life challenges and major, major uh, disappointments. Uh, oh. Despite all this, James is actually pretty well-adjusted, unlike George. <laughs> George is not well-adjusted, but uh, James is pretty well-adjusted uh, despite some pretty heavy-duty events going on in his past. Because I was going to ask you how devastated was he when he saw he didn't get in Edson College. How devastating. He was very, yeah, yes, very much so, very much so. He, uh, in, in the book, he actually ends up at SUNY Purchase, um, and he has a good college experience, but he always sort of feels this massive hole, this this longing to, to go back to, this, to Edson College, uh, his dream school. Yeah, he, it, it left a huge impression on him. So this is some, and you bring that out into the reader sees that as they read the Boys and Girls of America that comes out. Oh, very much so, very much so. So is James, he wrote a novel, which end, and I'm, I'm, you may have said this earlier, if you did, I apologize. Is this somewhat autobiographical and and do the events in the book he's wrote, James uh, Castle, the main character in The Boys and Girls of America, do the events that he writes in his novel, Witsian, do they impact his life in real life? I see movies all the time about an author who wrote a mystery, and boom, the stuff starts happening with the and it didn't for it to. Is this yes, every... autobiographical? Oh, oh, no, it's it's uh definitely not about me um i think i always wanted to write a college novel about uh being a gen xer i'm a gen xer um i i love my college years but um my particular college experience is not james um uh, i wasn't even really considering writing at that stage in my life but i fell in love with my college years like a lot of kids and uh I was very impacted, some, some fantastic friendships. Um, I met my wife in college. Um, so, uh, I, you know, and I always wanted to write about that era as best as I could. I think um, at that time in my life, I think I felt like going off to college was probably 
the single most uh, important thing a, a young person could do. I'm not saying that's accurate, but that was my viewpoint at that time, that there was nothing more high-minded or, or sophisticated, and I very much wanted to be a part of that. So um, I think I probably have a pretty romantic view of the college experience, and I think James does too. So James and I do have that part in common. And I think in the opening chapter where you have kids moving into this campus and it's this elite school and there's all these expectations and you have uh, proud parents and there's a lot of kids who are nervous about leaving home. Um, and James is sort of watching all these kids move in with their luggage and their suitcases and uh, because he's he's already there and he sort of is uh, sort of just taken uh, taken up by the by the event he's swept up in it um, as he watches it from his room oh my god little things the way you talk about your characters how you develop your characters and the reader can see really get close to your characters but is which end is that for James is that autobiographical the hero of the novel yeah it is and it it, it reveals some deep, dark family secrets um, that, and that's why he's being blackmailed, actually. And that, over the course of the novel, bits and pieces are revealed to the uh, to the reader about these events. Why would he do that? Did he feel safe? Did he feel safe exposing those family secrets, or did he not know that this would come back on you? Yeah, I think, um, and this comes out in the book. He sort of masquerades the events so that um, they're not quite as easily seen by the average reader, but certain people that know James personally in his life are able to connect the dots and expose him. So, you know, um, it's it's that kind of situation. So, um, yeah, so this particular character who is blackmailing him um, leaves different packages, if you will, that sort of expose uh, the true origins of his book, The uh, Wits End, and James gets all worked up about it, and the professor, Leander Beaumont, gets involved, and he tries to sort of guide him through these these uh, circumstances. So uh, it's a pretty involved uh, part of the story. Do you see this? I see a movie. Do you... When you wrote it, did you see, did it come to you as you were writing it visually, like you could see a movie playing itself out? That would be fantastic. I certainly wouldn't <laughs> uh, turn that opportunity down. Um, I've had some people say that um, who've, who've read the book, which is always nice to hear. Uh, but but obviously that's the kind of thing that uh, is a very difficult thing to uh, get involved in. Uh, and making those kinds of connections, but that'd be wonderful. So the boy, these boys and girls come into this class. They tell their stories. It, that's it, that is, it's not James writes this novel. So there's like a, almost two stories in here. It, it's um, is it is a lot of the book largely some of the retelling of these students who come into class from all different parts of America and retell their stories. Yes. Yes. So, yes. So there are um, there are several chapters, and they're entitled Office Hours because because James is um, the writer in residence on campus. He one of his responsibilities uh, responsibilities is he has these office hours. So these kids come in, and again, he's supposed to be there to guide them to getting published or and that kind of thing. But they end up just socializing and telling them, him about their family lives at home, you know, what, you know, what happened on Christmas break, what happened on spring break, what happened uh, during Thanksgiving and, and all that kind of stuff. And they're from all over the country. So it gives the reader a real sense of a wide cast of characters. One of them is sort of a, a criminal um, who, who has all these different schemes. Somebody else is more of an athlete. Somebody else is sort of a, sort of a nerd like character um, and then, of course, there's one character who is uh, James's on-campus uh, romance angle, if you will. 
I was going to ask you, is James, throughout the course of this, of the Boys and Girls of America, he's single at the beginning, I'm assuming, and he's young. And does he get married later? And what what is his family life like? I'm really am interested in knowing what's his relationship like with his parents and, like, if he has siblings. Is it good? Is it not good? Um, well, these are excellent questions. So um, it's it's difficult to say without spoiling certain parts of the story, but um, he has a pretty checkered family past uh, that is exposed over over these various uh, flashback chapters. And um, the story has a definitive ending, but I can't really reveal uh, if James ends up with anyone uh, romance-wise. I don't want to spoil that part. <laughs> okay, okay. It sounds very intriguing. Who's the who's the target audience for the Boys and Girls of America, and why did you choose to appeal to this particular audience? Yeah, so I think I wrote it for anyone who was a member of Generation X. Um, and uh, along with that, I think the target audience is anyone in America who's ever gone to college. Um, obviously, the book is is hyper-focused on 90s-era pop culture because there's a lot of references to the music of the time period, whether it's indie rock or the grunge scene. And so there's lots of those types of things throughout the book. But pretty much anyone who uh, has ever gone to college in America, and, and that's really the focus, Um or anyone who plans to go to college. Um, as it as it happens, my daughter is going to be going off to college for the first time in the fall. Oh my god! And yeah, it just it, it yeah. I've been working on this book forever, and I didn't time it that way. That's just the way it worked out. So she's yeah yeah. So she's reading it. Um, she's learning a lot about her dad because there's a lot of like oh. you know cake party scenes and the all all sorts of shenanigans. Um, but you know she is of course part of a different generation than than me obviously but uh i think anyone can take away something from it nonetheless uh, does the, the book's title hold a special meaning uh it does um so there is uh, there's a rock band um called the hold steady it's one of my favorite bands and one of their albums is entitled uh, the boys and girls in America, so it's slightly different. Um, but it's a borrowed title. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with that particular album, other than just sharing a partial title. But uh, that's where the title comes from, and I had that title in my head way, way, way back. Uh, so, but it is uh, part of the part of the um, story of uh, the Hold Steady, the band, the Hold Steady. What have readers been saying about the Boys and Girls of America, and have you found that most of the book's readers are from Gen X? Um, I've gotten some strong reviews from some publications. Uh, book View gave me a five-star review. Uh, Reader's Choice uh, gave me a strong review. So it's been very positive. Um, I don't have a lot of feedback in terms of who is buying the the novel, at least not at this at this stage. That data hasn't been shared with me yet, but um, I'm hoping at some point to get some feedback in terms of what the demographics are. Okay, interesting. Your stories, you go very deep into your characters. I can tell by the way you talk about about your books. Now, speaking about that, because you seem to give your characters a lot of depth. How do you, like you said, the George stories, it just came out of nowhere. How do yep. you connect with characters so you're able to bring them alive for readers? Oh, that's a really good question. I think so much of what I do is, is spontaneous, um, and I think my best ideas are just me sort of making it up as I go along. Obviously, you have to go back and refine uh, things you know millions of times really, but um, I, so I think that's part of it. And I also think once you get into the whole writing uh, as a profession, you are sort of kind of obsessive about oh this would make for a good idea, or 
I better write this down because I could use this somewhere. So I have endless notebooks with uh, story ideas, even bits of dialogue that I think I want to use at some point. So uh, I'm an endless note taker in, in many respects, whether it's uh, paper notebooks or even just I have all sorts of notes on my on my iPhone with, with ideas and things I want to use at some point. So uh, it comes from all over, really. I think I think nowadays, um, because modern writers are in a position where um, a lot of the best ideas have been already taken, so it's very very difficult to come up with something novel. Um, but I but I try very hard to. Uh, mix things up and not depend on tropes too much. If that you, makes sense. You bring, up a, you bring up a good point. You can. It's it's really almost very difficult to come up with a story that's not been told. Although the way you wrote the George stories is very unique to me, but you have to write this same story in a, such a different way. And it's the characters. You can't create a, a character in a way that it's it seems. Like a, a, someone new that that's never been on the scene before. That share. What writing process? You say you take a lot of notes. What writing process do you follow when you take the story from the concept to finished product? Do you use outlines? Do you do character sketches? How do you flesh out the story? Well, I think with with George because it's so focused on him almost exclusively. Um, it was a pretty straightforward um, telling in many ways um, with boys and girls because it's this, it's a, it's a monster. It's just under 500 pages. Um, oh. There's a wide, yeah, there's a wide cast of characters. So um, I did write that opening chapter about kids moving in, um, but I quickly realized I was going to have to really, really outline this to keep everything straight, even just for my own benefit. So I think it very much depends on the kind of story. Um, in, in the case of Boys and Girls, because it's, again, I, I use this term, it's a, it's a three-tiered story um, with several subplots. Uh, it was necessary to really outline it as I went along. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to make it cohesive, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely a part of it. Now, can you share, just shifting gears just a little bit from the story development, characters development, can you share three to four steps, uh, Chris, that you've you've taken that you personally have found to be effective at getting the word out about your books? Yeah, so um, for my first book, that was all very new to me, and I think I didn't do a great job initially of, of promoting it. Um, in that early stage, I, I wasn't really um, super comfortable telling people, hey, I wrote this book. That happened over a period of time where my comfort level uh, came up. But, but certainly in this day and age, social media plays a huge role, and you have to be pretty active on that. Um, and, of course, trying to make author appearances locally um, and obviously podcasts are extremely helpful. So um, those are the the key ways that I've been able to sort of have some level of success. Now you're going back to Ed when you went to college. Yeah. Um, at Nazareth, you did some like the technical writing, and, and I'm not sure if you did any marketing writing at all. Have you been able to leverage any of that as you you start marketing your your books? Um, I honestly, I haven't because, um, even though I went to school to be a, uh, well, again, this program was a technical writing program. I actually, uh, have been a public school teacher for nearly 30 years. So, um, which isn't really, uh, in the same, uh, venue, if you will, with the promotional aspect. So, uh, I never actually had a chance because I decided to be a public school teacher instead. Ah, and thank you for that. My sister's a teacher. I'm like, oh my god! I just I buy a teacher's <laughs> yeah, teachers a, a nurses. Oh my god, teachers, nurses, certain people, particularly people. Uh, I have most as a pastor who are constantly dealing with other people's issues and which never seem to run out. I I really applaud you. So thank you. Now, are thank you, you working on? 
Are you working on any new books, Chris? And if so, could you give us a glimpse into what you're working on? Yeah, so I'm just in the very beginning stages, uh, not even done with the first chapter, but um, it is going to be set up on the St. Lawrence River. I'm not sure if you're, if you're familiar with that area or not. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I know I'm place. not. Yeah, okay. so uh, the St. Lawrence River, it's uh, north of even where I live. It's, it's on the border between uh Canada uh and the and the and the US and it's it's gonna be set there. Um my family has a summer cottage up there. It's been in my family for many generations. Uh so it's gonna take place up there. But I can't even tell you how the story's gonna go because I haven't quite uh gotten that far with it really. <laughs> so you're a writer and I am myself. They call them panthers. You just the story unfolds yes. as you're writing. Okay. Okay, it unfolds, and it it works out for a lot of writers. Most writers who've come on here, that is exactly how they write. But I've heard very established writers say they got to do an outline. You got outline, but it feels too constrictive to to me writing that way. That that shared, we learn so much about ourselves. We come down to the last few minutes of the show. We learn so much about ourselves while we're creating. What have you learned about yourself? since you started writing books? Um, You know, I'm very surprised at what comes out on the page because Mm. um, I think think the the particular style of my writing um, isn't necessarily my outward personality. Um, I think a lot of writers, um, you know, I'll use J.D. Salinger, for example, People that knew him say he sounds just like his famous character Holden Caulfield from The Catcher in the Rye. Um, and, but I think in my case, uh, for whatever reason, my my writing personality, my writing voice is very, very different from my um, actual voice for whatever reason. So that that that's one of the things I've I've learned about me. Mm. Now, where can off the shelf listeners get a copy of? The George Stories and the Boys and Girls of America. Yeah, so it's available on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if people visit my my website, authorchristophergould dot com, they can get a signed copy because those come directly from me. Um, so if people are interested in that, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so that's probably the best way. Okay. And do you have any upcoming speaking engagements? And if so, if you could share a few of those with our listeners. Yeah, I I, I have several uh, local ones lined up. I don't have any dates yet that hasn't been shared with me yet, but I hope to make uh, some appearances locally. Again, I live in the Syracuse, New York uh, area in the suburbs, but I, I've done some local events, and I hope to do some relatively soon once things get uh, ironed out. And lastly, where can we find you on social media if you're on social media? Yeah, so um, I have a Twitter feed uh, as well as an Instagram. It's uh, it's Seagold. I believe it's Seagold72. Um, I'm pretty easy to find on there. Um, I'm probably most active on, on Facebook. I have an author page, uh, Christopher Gould, uh, uh, so that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Okay, okay. We are. Uh, we have. I've so enjoyed interviewing you. We have. Had I appreciate it. It's been great. We've had the pleasure of interviewing Christopher Gold, and he's the author of the George Stories, which very unique concept, taking short stories, putting them together into book form, and then also the author of The Boys and Girls of America. And he's just starting on another book. He said he's only finished the first chapter, but the George Stories was nominated for the Central New York Book of the Year Award. And I encourage you to visit Christopher Gold online at author Christopher Gold. His last name is spelled G-O-U-L-D, authorchristophergold.com. Thank you so much, Christopher, for being here with us on Off the Shelf this morning. What a treat, what a treat. And your book sounds just absolutely wonderful. To our listeners, thank you for being here with us this Saturday. Please just mark your calendar. You're going to catch off-the-shelf books 
every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. We have listeners who tune in from all over the world. And as I always tell you, remember, you are amazing. You are absolutely incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself today. Christopher, I'll send you a email you a link when the show finishes streaming. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.